to More Living with Jim Brogan, your source of information for living the best years of your life, your way. For more than a decade, host Jim Brogan and his expert guests have come together each week to share important news and advice that can impact the lives and well-being of those who are retired and those nearing retirement. Learn about issues like health and fitness, financial planning, social security benefits, investment advice, and more. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Good morning, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and we are going to talk about old retirement rules and new retirement rules. Congress returned on Monday uh, for the fall session, and it has four retirement bills on its plate. The SECURE Act, which we've talked about on this show, which has already passed the House. Uh, The Butch Lewis Act, the Social Security 2100 Act, and the Retirement Savings and Security Act. Four bills. Some changes that are suggested in these bills would expand access to retirement savings plans. It'll allow workers to contribute to IRAs all the way to age 75. As of now, you cannot contribute to an IRA once you're in the year you're 70 and a half, unless it's a Roth. You can do Roths. And the new plans would eliminate the stretch IRA option, which allows heirs to take distributions from your taxable IRA over their lifetimes. Some of these bills, as I mentioned, have passed the Democratic House, but do face opposition in the Republican-controlled Senate. Whatever the outcome is, there will likely be some legislation passed in the coming years regarding retirement accounts, pensions, and Social Security. And these are everything when it comes to retirement. I mean, Social Security is the one guaranteed income you cannot outlive. If you still have a pension, but see, some of the, then that would be a guaranteed income for life. Some of this legislation will make pensions more friendly and attractive, 401ks, more options. But the demograph, excuse me, the demographics in America are changing. And this will affect the future for retirement. You know, people are living longer, people are working longer. That's why the SECURE Act proposes raising required minimum distributions from age 70 and a half to age 72. It'd be a great thing. You wouldn't have to start taking taxable distributions from your retirement accounts until you're 72. That benefits you either by a year or two years, depending on when your birthday is. As American gains citizens over age 65 and loses citizens of a working age, America will have to deal with how to continue funding Social Security. The Social Security Act 2100 Act proposes increased payroll taxes, eliminating the cap on payroll tax, and increasing benefits. Not only does no no one know which, if any of these bills will end up being passed, no one quite knows what the future of retirement looks like in 10, 20, or 30 years. And that's why it's so important to have a strategy for minimizing your taxes in retirement, maximizing your Social Security benefit, and using your retirement accounts most effectively, no matter who the president is and who controls Congress. 
So we, I can't tell you what law will be in place in five years, but I can on this show and in my practice, I can help you create a tailored plan for your individual retirement goals. That's what it's all about. So in today's show, we're going to talk about how to best use a Roth IRA because in today's tax environment, Roth IRA contributions can make a lot of sense for a lot of people. How to avoid mistakes on your required minimum distributions that you have to start taking at 70 and a half. And how to protect important documents in the case of home damage. I think an important discussion in light of what happened with Hurricane Dorian is it's a chance we can refresh our discussion of important protecting our important documents and our stuff. But first, we're going to talk about the Social Security 2100 Act. So Social Security is, of course, going to be paying out more than it's taking in. So Social Security, under the current rules, is likely not to be sustainable in the future. Now, President Trump has a little bit of a different plan on how he would prefer to tackle this, and I'm going to get to that here in a minute in this segment. But the Social Security 2100 Act is one possible solution that is gaining support. And I think, based on what we're seeing, it's probably going to come to vote in in the House. But what the Democrats want to do to Social Security and what the Republicans want to do for Social Security are two different things. I'm going to cover that. But this has been introduced. Social Security 2100 Act has been introduced by Democratic Representative John Larson. And the bill proposes to raise revenue and avoid cutting any benefits for retirees. And as a matter of fact... In some ways, for some retirees, it would increase benefits. Um, It takes into account the inflation rate for the Social Security benefit increases. You know, the way they calculate Social Security right now um, is really not what most retirees see in terms of cost of living increases. In other words, the Social Security benefit increases every year for cost of living are lower than what they really should be. So it would take into account more on things like housing and medical care, which is a disproportionately larger portion of what retirees spend on on spending increases than other things. Uh, It would increase the minimum benefit payout level. You know, right now, if you're eligible for the minimum Social Security benefit, you're below the poverty line. So it would increase those benefits. Uh, The biggest things that I would point out in this new act is it would adjust the taxation of Social Security thresholds on what how we pay for Social Security. Where right now, you know, we're capped around uh, at $132,900 of income. What this bill would propose is it, is anything over one thirty two nine. So let's call it one hundred thirty three thousand. Anything over one hundred thirty three thousand, you would not pay Social Security tax. But then any any income over four hundred thousand would then be hit with payroll tax. The payroll tax is twelve point four percent. That's the portion that covers Social Security. You pay six point two percent of that. You pay half of that. Your employer pays the other half. So, you know, we have to realize that when we do things like increase payroll tax, 
it not only affects you, it affects your employer. So it is an additional tax on employers. And then over time, that cap of 132900 every year it raises, it increases based on cost of living. They're proposing that any the $400,000 number would not ever raise. So eventually they would just all merge and all of our income would be subject to the Social Security payroll tax. Um, I, I just, you know, we need a solution for Social Security. Many think that it's political suicide and it'll never happen because, so, at least for a long time, because Congress is so short-sighted. The president is always going to be short-sighted to some degree, no matter who the president is, because they want to get elected. And it's kind of political suicide to talk about affecting Social Security benefits. But we, we've got an untenable situation. Something is going to have to happen. I just am pointing out that when they increase payroll tax, it not only affects you, it affects your employer. And, you, you know, employers need to be incentivized to grow and hire more people. And the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act has shown that it will, uh, that it has increased employment it has decreased unemployment and if we increase more taxes on employers and more taxes on you that can be problematic now one thing i do like in in how they would increase benefits in this social security bill is the way they they factor in taxing your social security income you know if you make over certain amounts uh, you have to pay tax on your social security income on part of it and there, I don't want to get into all of the weeds on that because it'd get confusing. I'm afraid even driving down the road, your eyes would gloss over. Um, but they're proposed, since those thresholds came into play, uh, one of the bills was in 1983, the other was in 1993, where up to 85% of your Social Security income is taxed for income tax. Those amounts that determine your taxation on your Social Security income in retirement have never changed. So, you know, they didn't have, not nearly as many people in 1983 and 1993 were taxed on their Social Security income as they're taxed today because of cost of living, because of inflation. I mean, 1993, that was 26 years ago. 1983 was 36 years ago. That's insane. So, really, that's like a hidden tax increase every year if you're a retiree drawing Social Security. This new bill... Would propose, would propose raising those thresholds. Uh, I think at least having a cost-of-living adjustment on those thresholds is important. <coughs> Excuse me. So there's a lot going on with that Social Security bill that's been proposed. We'll continue to follow it. But remember, the, the House, I think it's likely to come to the House from what I see, but the Senate is still under control of the Republican Party, which quite frankly views a solution to Social Security's imminent cash crunch much differently. Instead of increasing taxes, they would rather raise the retirement age, and they prefer gradually raising it to age 70 because of increased longevity. People are living longer and longer lives. It makes more sense. That means if, if we do that, that future generations of workers, you younger workers would have to wait longer to receive your full benefit, or if you want to draw earlier, you would have to accept a bigger monthly reduction by claiming earlier. Either way, it reduces lifetime benefit payouts. So it would be a decrease in benefit. 
You know, because right now, think about it. If you delay from your full retirement age to age 70, you get an 8% per year increase in your benefit. If they change the full retirement age to age 70, then your full retirement benefit would be the same at 70 as what it is now at 66 or 67. So that would be a big deal. That'd be less income for life. But you know what? Something's going to have to happen. It's unsustainable in the long term. Now, the president is probably averse to signing legislation that makes direct changes to Social Security, even if they were able to agree. Uh, He's kind of insinuated that it would be political suicide for him to do something. And he is leaning on his Hallmark Tax Cuts and Jobs Act to create jobs, grow wages, and then therefore generate more revenue for Social Security in the way of payroll tax revenue. So he favors indirect fixes to Social Security. Personally, even if we raise the revenue base by cutting taxes and therefore in, in, increase payroll tax revenue by growing reven, you know, company profits, I, I don't think that's enough. It's, it's more than likely not going to be enough to fix Social Security. Bottom line, we're going to need a bipartisan approach for any real change to occur So it's probably going to be a while. So, you know, if you start hearing stuff about the Social Security 2100 Act, remember, it's it's in my opinion, very, very unlikely to pass through. Uh, It would be dead on arrival in the Senate, in my opinion. And even if it got through the Senate, I don't don't think Trump would do anything. Now, if he was in a second term, you know, who knows, because he doesn't have to worry about reelection. But I just don't see it getting through both branches of the of Congress as of right now. So that's kind of the Social Security Act, and we'll continue to monitor that. Now, you really, you know, if you want to get your retirement and Social Security questions answered, I would love for you to come in for a no-obligation complimentary financial review, and I'll go over your entire financial picture, including Social Security and Social Security election. I'll work with you to capitalize on your strengths and fill in the weaknesses with a plan that takes your goals into account, a goals-based financial plan that gives you every opportunity possible for success, reducing taxes, increasing net income, uh, an investment and income plan that can work in both good markets and bad markets. Feel free to give us a call at 862-6800, or you can visit us online at broganfinancial.com. Coming up next, I'll discuss how best to use Roth IRA and key mistakes that people make with Roth IRAs as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. listening to more living with jim brogan during the week jim is a financial advisor an author and speaker with an mba from the university of tennessee who specializes in helping people in or near retirement plan for the next phase of their lives you can reach brogan financial during the week at 865-862-6800 or on the web at broganfinancial.com and now Here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Welcome back. I'm Jim Brogan. You're listening to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. And in this next segment, I'm going to discuss how to best use Roth IRA. You know, if you make less than, if you're an individual making less than 137000 or a couple 
making less than 203000 you can contribute to a Roth IRA. And taxes are relatively low right now, and no one knows what they'll be in the future. So a Roth, so let's just do a basic comparison of this. I know many of you understand Roth, but basically in a traditional IRA, you do not have to pay tax on the money now. So if you put six or seven, if you're under 50, you can put up to 6000 in an IRA or a Roth. If you're 50 or older, you can do 7000 so let's say you put seven thousand in a traditional IRA, you get a, you get a deduction on your tax return. So you do not have to pay the tax on the seven thousand. So it actually doesn't cost you seven thousand because you get a tax deduction you save on your taxes. But then later on down the road, you have to pay tax on the money coming out. A Roth IRA, you don't get any tax benefit on the front end. But then on the back end, it's tax-free coming out. So Roth IRAs can be tremendous things. You know, if I look at, uh, but they are oversold. You know, let's talk about how good they are. If I look at the environment we're in today, we have $21 trillion in government debt. We've got almost $100 trillion in unfunded liabilities for Social Security, Medicare, and prescription drugs. So we got a problem with our funding levels. We also live in a low-tax environment if you look at federal income tax. I know it doesn't feel like it's a low-tax environment because every time we turn around, we're taxed. Property tax, sales tax, gasoline tax, entertainment tax. We're just taxed everywhere. But in terms of federal income tax, our tax rates compared to our history are pretty low. So it's an opportunity because, you know, if we put money into the Roth... We're saying, I'm going to go ahead and pay the tax now and be done with it. And taxes are lower now. However, we also have to consider the fact that when you're working, especially when you get closer to retirement, your your taxable income for many of you is going to be substantially higher than what it'll be once you retire. So let's, you know... When I say Roth IRAs are oversold, the reason I say that is because, you know, in the end run, if you put the money in, you let it grow, and then you take it out during your lifetime, where do you come out ahead in after-tax dollars? And in the end run, if you assume the same tax bracket going in when you make the contribution as coming out when you take the money out, there is no economic benefit to a Roth, none. So that's why I say they're oversold. And, you know, I know there's that famous, that, that, that expression, pay, would you rather pay, you know, if you're planting a crop of corn, would you rather pay tax on the seed that's planted or pay tax on the harvest? And it's easy to hear that and say, oh, I'd rather pay tax on the harvest, which means you do a Roth. But it's not that simple at all. And the math is not that simple. If we assume the ta- same tax rates across the board, There is no economic benefit to a Roth. Where a Roth wins is when your tax bracket, when you pull money out, is higher when you're retired than when you're working, when you're younger. Well, so most people, when you retire, your taxable income is going to go down, not up. And in the traditional sense, that means a traditional IRA or traditional 401k is better. So be careful. Now, you younger folks say under 50 and particularly under 40. I mean, when I look into the future, I see a much different tax environment in the future than we're in now. 
So Roth IRA, I think, is a great idea. And without getting too detailed, a Roth does effectively allow you to save more. You know, I said earlier, if you save 7000 in a traditional IRA, it doesn't actually cost you seven because it, you know, it's, you get a tax deduction. But if you save, so it is, you know, it doesn't cost you seven. If you put the full seven in the Roth, you get the full seven and it's tax free. You've already dealt with it. So you, you can, there's an argument there. You can put more money in. I just want you to be careful with the Roth IRA because especially as people get closer to retirement in their fifties and sixties, you know, it's not a slam dunk that you're going to have higher taxes in the future when you're retired. Now, I have talked at length on this show about the sweet spot that retirees have between retirement age and age 70 and a half when you have to take those taxable distributions from your IRAs. So, you know, that's where you can really make hay with some Roth conversions, and it can be very, very powerful. But let me just give you some basic rules. In 2019, you can contribute up to $6,000 a year in a Roth or a traditional IRA, 7000 if you're turning 50 or you're older this year. <coughs> um, you can also do a spousal IRA for a non-working spouse if you have an, you know, if you file taxes jointly. And so don't overlook the ability to file a, a spousal IRA. Uh, you can contribute that same six or 7000 for the non-working spouse. But you also need to avoid penalties. If you have more than one Roth, you, you can only contribute either six or 7000 in total, not per, net, per account. You cannot contribute more than you make in a given year. And there is a 6% penalty on excess funds that you contribute. So if it turns out you put in too much, you've got to pay a 6% penalty. Okay? And uh, you, so those are some just important... Oh, and the biggest thing is you need to name a beneficiary. Now, there are some very big reasons of why you may still want to have a traditional IRA. And I want to cover those too. Uh, one is medical expenses. You know, I see some retirees that have huge medical expense deductions in excess of $100,000 if they're in a nursing home. And if you're, if you're using those, you know, if you're drawing income from a taxable IRA or 401k in your 80s, for example, you can offset, you can use the medical deductions to offset. And so now you're getting it kind of tax-free coming out too. Uh, same thing if you have business losses. You know, it's kind of the, it's along the same kind of line. Um, you know, I mentioned the low tax brackets, especially in the early years of retirement. You might want to take money out of, you know, a traditional IRA or 401k and do a conversion. You know, you want to consider what are your kids going to pay in income taxes when you leave the money to them. If they're in lower tax brackets, you probably want to leave them and inherit a, a traditional IRA instead of a Roth. And then maybe the biggest opportunity you have to have tax-free distributions from traditional IRAs and 401ks is qualified charitable distributions. And I don't, if you're over 70 and a half or older, or you're almost there, you've got to be sure to know about and take advantage of qualified charitable distributions because, you know, you have a minimum distribution you have to take out. It's fully taxable. Most of it, if not all of it's taxable is ordinary income. But anything you give directly to church or charity from that IRA 
counts is a it's a page one tax deduction. So let's say you have to take out twenty thousand dollars from your IRA, fully taxable, but you give five thousand of it directly to church. The tax it's it, twenty thousand is your gross distribution that shows up in box one on the tax return, but the taxable portion is fifteen thousand. So you get a page one tax deduction plus the standard deduction or whatever deduction you're taking on page two and this is a tremendous benefit only people 70 and a half and older can utilize this benefit but you've if you're given any kind of real money to church or charity you want to begin and end with your ira now you can only do it from an ira you cannot do it from a 401k or a 403b or any kind of company plan that's even more reason to consider rolling your money into an ira when you when you get a chance uh, among among many but the, the qualified charitable distribution is such a great opportunity to do tax planning and get money off of page one of your tax return which has a phenomenal economic benefit for you now and down the line and then that's going to decrease your taxable in that's going to decrease your minimum distributions later on by getting that money out and, t- and taking that QCD. Um, taxes are a huge part of my class that I teach and I've got my upcoming class uh, is I'm having two classes through Pellissippi State in October, one in Hardin Valley right in West Knoxville and one at the Blunt County campus in Friendsville. Uh, the Hardin Valley one is October 15th and 22nd, and the um, the Blunt County is October 10th and 17th. And it's two-part class. I cover seven main areas people need to be aware of. Taxes is a big one. Retirement account distributions is one of those as well. But I cover everything I think you need to know or most people need to know to start creating a financial plan that can get you through the rest of your life and help you thrive in retirement. If you go to Thrive, it's Thrive Financially in Retirement is the name of the class. You can go to PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com. They're both listed there. PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com for more information. You can download a syllabus and you can click to register. Now, coming up next, I'm going to discuss how to avoid penalties on your required minimum distributions from your retirement account. So stick around. We'll be right back as you listen to more Living with Jim Brogan only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. During the week, Jim is a financial advisor, an author, and speaker with an MBA from the University of Tennessee who specializes in helping people in or near retirement plan for the next phase of their lives. You can reach Brogan Financial during the week at 865-862-6800 or on the web at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. 
Welcome back to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Be sure to visit us online at broganfinancial.com. You can uh, also follow us on Facebook and Twitter as we bring more and more information to you to equip you to make informed and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. Now, I do want to mention real quickly about my website, broganfinancial.com. We've just relaunched the site. We made a few changes. And of particular note, we now have updated our podcasts on our webpage. So they are back up. If you go to broganfinancial.com and click on radio, uh, we have the uh, our most recent radio shows are right there. Uh, if you scroll down, you can listen to them right there. And then you can also scroll down and hear all my dollars and cents segments from this year. And they're by category. You can, for example, click on financial planning and it'll pull up our podcasts on financial planning. You can click on wealth and investment management. It'll pull up those podcasts. There's a tax strategies category. So they're, they're tremendously well organized. So you can hear every podcast that I've done this year on a particular category under my dollars and cents segment. And then I've also got our retirement minutes that we run through the week on Tuesdays right here on this station. Uh, you can hear those as well right there on the website you can also look at those by category so i'd encourage you to go to broganfinancial.com click on radio and scroll down and uh, that's just our commitment to making our information as accessible to you as we possibly can Uh, also we're working on launching uh, where you can download all these we're going to have a youtube channel and itunes stuff up pretty quickly but right now you can listen to them right there online you can also schedule for a free consultation if you'd like or sign up for our weekly newsletter where we keep you abreast of the week let you know what my dollars and cents was what we talk about on the radio show what type of content did we put out all of those what did i put in my blog it's a great weekly newsletter to help you stay informed of all this information that we're putting out so that you can take control of your financial retirement and your destiny now in this segment we're going to talk about how to avoid penalties on your required minimum distributions. So starting at 70 and a half under current law, you most likely have to start taking required minimum distributions from your IRAs, your 401ks, 403bs, 457s, the whole alphabet soup. The only exception is the Roth IRA. And the RMDs are based on your account balance and your age. So they take the, you know, they take the balance from the end of the prior year. They divide by a number that's in the Internal Revenue Code based on your age. Uh, so in your first year, you know, the first two or three years, you've got to take out a little less than 4%. So, you know, just figure if you're in your 60s or even younger and you don't know how much that is, just figure roughly 4%. So, you know, if you have a million-dollar IRA, it's almost $40,000. If you have a $500,000 IRA, it's almost 20000 And you can just do the math from there. Well, and that's full. Most of that, if not all of it, is taxable as ordinary income. So... You have to remember when you look at your retirement account balances, you haven't paid the income tax on any, if not, or, or most, if not all, all, any of that money. I mean, excuse me, let me say that again. You haven't paid income tax on most of it, if any of it. So you have a partner, and your partner's Uncle Sam. And it's so crucial to understand when you look at your retirement account balances, everything except for Roth, 
You do not own all of that money. You have a partner. Uncle Sam's your partner. Well, eventually, Uncle Sam wants to get paid. So when you turn 70 and a half, you're forced to start taking this money out. Because and then you get a 1099, and it's taxable income, and you have to report it on your income tax return. Now, with good planning, you can tremendously reduce the impact of that, and the good planning really needs to start before you're 70. There's still good planning you can do after you're 70. One of those is the qualified charitable distribution I talked about. And even you can do Roth conversions past 70 and a half, but you have to be very careful about how you do that because of the rules on the minimum distribution. So let me go through a few of those. First off, there is one exception where you do not have to take a minimum distribution at 70 and a half, and that is if you're still working and you're active in your company plan at work. So if you, let's say you're working and you have a 401k and you're 71, the IRS says you do not have to take a minimum distribution from that account, but it's only that one. Any other employer accounts, any IRAs, you do have to take it. It's just the one where you're currently working. If you The day you retire, you're going to trigger a minimum distribution. Likewise, if you roll that money into an IRA, you're going to trigger a minimum distribution. Other than that, when you turn 70 and a half, you have to start taking money out. The penalty for not taking your RMD or not taking enough, guess what it is? It is a 50% penalty. That's a dramatic penalty. So if you're supposed to take out $20,000 and you don't take it, you get a $10,000 penalty. That's unbelievable. Now, the very first year, the year you turn 70 and a half, you can put off the minimum to the following spring as long as you take it by April 1st of the following year. So let's say that I'm 70 and a half in 2019. All right, so I turn 70 and a half this year. I can take that minimum anytime during the year I want. I don't have to wait until I'm actually 70 and a half. I can take it anytime. But I could also put it off into the spring. So let's say I put it off into March of next year in 2020. Well, just remember that means that in March, I'll be t- in 2020, I'll be taking out the minimum distribution for 2019. I still have to take the 2020 minimum as well by the end of the year. So if I put it off, I've got to take out two minimums next year. That could butt me into a whole other tax bracket. So most people, when you turn 70 and a half, you want to go ahead and probably start taking your minimum. The biggest exception is if you know your taxable income is going to drop sharply next year. Like what if I was going to retire this year and my taxable income is going to be much lower next year? I'd rather put that minimum into next year. But I've got to do it, by, you know, but then next year I'll have to do two. And I have to take that first one before April 1st. It's not April 15th. It's April 1st. Also, you cannot roll an RMD into another retirement account. It is an impermissible transaction. You cannot convert an RMD. It's against the rules. You can do a conversion after you're 70 and a half into a Roth, but... Hear me loud and clear. You have to take the minimum distribution first. You cannot do a Roth conversion early in the year and then do your RMD later in the year. That would be an impermissible transaction. You get hit with hit with lots of penalties. So the first, you know, if you have a $10,000 RMD, the first 10000 that comes out as a distribution has to be part a taxable distribution now after you've done that then you can do your rmd but it has to be at least a day later now if you don't need the rmd you can reinvest it but it would be in an in a taxable account 
you know, an individual or a joint account that's taxable. One of the best ways to reduce RMDs if you're already over 70 and a half or reduce the impact is to do a qualified charitable distribution. As I mentioned in the last segment, if you're doing any kind of giving to church and char- or charity, you want to start and end with giving it out of your IRA. You can only do it from an IRA. You cannot do it from a company plan, a 401k, a 403b, etc. It has to be from an IRA only, and only people 70 and a half and older can do it, but it is a page one tax deduction. You can do that up to a $100,000 gift. There is a $100,000 limit. But it is a tremendous benefit that you don't want to overlook because it's a page one tax deduction. Now, I aim to help you plan for your future by taking all pieces of the financial puzzle into account and creating a financial plan that assesses all of your retirement needs, your longevity risks, and even your estate planning goals. I'm certified in estate and planning and trust planning. I'm not an attorney. But we do do estate planning. There is no one-size-fits-all approach to financial retirement planning. We're fee-based. I work with you to find an approach that aims to accomplish your long- and short-term goals while minimizing taxes. If you uh, want more information, feel free to go to our website at broganfinancial.com. You can schedule. You can email us through there. Uh, if you'd like to schedule a free consultation, you can also call me. Call us at 862-6800. We'll be happy to talk to you about a consultation. Uh, but you can also follow us online at broganfinancial.com and stay abreast of all the information that uh, we want to keep you informed with. When we come back, how do you import and protect your important documents like tax and insurance records from natural disasters and damage to your home? Don't go away. Very important topic when we come back. As you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I got a a brand new house along the roadside, and it's a made out of rattlesnake hide. Got a brand new tin that been built on top, and it's a made out of human skull. Come on, take a little walk with me. His weekly radio show, television news appearances, and adult education classes taught at the University of Tennessee and Pellissippi State Community College. Jim taps into his extensive knowledge and experience to address issues important to living your best retirement. Join Jim every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI and visit him online at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Welcome back as you listen to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan. And, you know, even if you don't live in a hurricane-prone area, you know, with what's been going on with Dorian, there's always the possibility that your home could be damaged or destroyed and important documents along with it. And you you may have a plan in place of an emer- in case of an emergency, but don't forget about protecting your important documents. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute, but before I do, I have a phone call from Greg about 401k loans. Good morning, Greg. Welcome to More Living. You're on the air. Yes, if I take a loan out from 401k, is it taxed? If you take a loan out from a 401k, is it taxed? You can borrow money from a 401k under IRS rules. You have to look at your company plan, Greg, to make sure that your plan does allow. Every plan uh, is potentially different. So you have to look at your plan and see if they do allow a loan. And if they do, usually you can go up to either 25 or 50%. But again, you have to check with your plan. The loan itself is not taxable. However, if you don't pay the loan back 
And again, this is where you have to look at the plan document to see what the rules are on when you have to, how quickly you have to pay it back. But if you don't pay it back, then at some point it does become taxable as a distribution. And then if and, and if you took that loan before you were 59 and a half, you'd also be subject to a 10% tax penalty. But if you just take the loan and then you pay it back under the appropriate terms, it would not be a taxable distribution. Okay, thank you. I was, I'm going to take the loan out, but I'm switching jobs. So what happens when you got an outstanding loan and what happens? Well, just because you change jobs doesn't mean you have to move your 401k to the new job, but that does complicate the matter. You need to call your company plan that you have now. Call the admin. Don't call HR. Call the plan, like if it's Fidelity or Voya or whoever administers it, and find out what are the rules and what happens to the loan if you change jobs. Can you still pay okay. it back? That's what you need to ask. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, now we're talking about, uh, in this last segment, the importance of protecting your documents and your records from a disaster. Because, you know, that's really driven home by what's been going on with Dorian. And, you know, we have natural disasters all the time. You can have a fire, a flood, a earthquake. You know, there's all kinds of things. Uh, keep original records of your important documents like bank statements, tax returns, deeds, and insurance policies in a safe place. Somewhere they're likely less to be exposed to children, flooding, fires, and bugs. Now, if you keep records in safe deposit box, that can be inconvenient to it to retrieve. A locked fireproof file cabinet home could be a really good idea. Those are expensive, but they're fireproof and you can lock them and then they're right there. Access can be a real problem with safe deposit boxes from time to time. You could consider scanning your records and storing them electronically. The IRS does, ex- does accept scanned documents. If you rely on the cloud for offline storage, make sure it's secure and documents are backed up from that location. Don't assume that your tax professional will maintain sufficient copies of your documents for you. Don't assume it. You can ask the question. Many CPAs have regimented policies of how they keep them and for how long and where and all those things. Find out what that is that you can depend on. And you can also make ex- always make extra copies of your records and give them to a trusted friend or family member. Uh, also, have cash. Banks and ATMs could be closed during an emergency. I mean, I recommend having a few thousand dollars in cash at your house. Honestly. Very important. And, and you know what? Don't have just $100 bills. It's hard to spend $100 bills. You need to have at least... $1,000 worth of $20 bills or smaller bills because you could have a hard time with especially if there's been a natural disaster. Now, take videos and pictures of your property, especially expensive items, so that you can prove to the insurance company that you own that item. That's very important, a home inventory of your more expensive items so that you, if it's destroyed, you can show them what you owned. You don't have to get into an arguing match. Now, as of 2018, you can no longer deduct personal casualty and theft losses. So unless they're attributed to a federally uh, declared disaster, you cannot deduct them on your taxes. So that could be a problem. So you really want to have all of this stuff documented and written down. So protect your records. I like electronic storage. You know, if you're not protecting them in the cloud with a backup to that cloud, uh, you know, keep them on a disk. 
you know, a, a flash drive and store it in your in a fireproof cabinet. All of those things are very, very important and have plenty of cash on hand, especially smaller denominations. If you own a business, be sure that you protect your business records as well and take an inventory of your expensive things at your house uh, to be sure that you can prove to the insurance company what you owned, especially the more expensive items. Uh, my next classes, be sure to check us out, will be at Pellissippi State. If you go to PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com, you can find out more information. We've got the class in, in uh, Hardin Valley in Knox, West Knox County on October 15th and 22nd, financial, Thrive Financially in Retirement. And then I'm in Friendsville in Blunt County. Uh, it's only about a 15, 20-minute drive from Teleco Village if you live down in Lenore City. Uh, on October 10th and 17th. But again, PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com. You can click to learn more. You can download the syllabus, and you can click to register. There is a spousal discount as well. Today, we've discussed retirement accounts because greater wealth and less taxation provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Eric, for helping produce. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Have a great weekend. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.